1: Good morning. I haven't gotten used to how fast that is, but I'm caught off guard
0: every time. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. We're wishing everyone happy Diwali around the world. And uh, we hope that it is free from darkness and filled with abundant light for those of you who are celebrating Diwali this morning. I hope I've said Diwali correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, I'm Shannon Penrod and excited to be here as your host for the next hour talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective. We are coming to you live. Today is the 4th of November. It is 2021. We are still doing the show from remote studio at my house, although we're, we're hopeful that in 2022, at the beginning of 2022, that that will change. Fingers crossed. We're working on it. So uh, thrilled to be here with you now as part of the Autism Network. And that's a very exciting thing you guys are going to start to see changes to the website i'm told today so that will be super fun don't panic nothing is static we're going to make real-time changes to the website as we go so that'll be super fun uh also want to let you know that a little later on the show we are going to have our guest bonnie yates she's a special education attorney she's going to be here with us she's gone back to the beginning to talk to us about the very basics of special education. You guys can write in your questions to her throughout the week, but that's the topic that she's going to start hitting to we should, we started it last week, but she's going to continue on today. Uh, the the 101 of special education, which is super interesting and fun, I think. Because um, if you can get that cooking, if you can get education cooking and productive, it's sort of like set it and forget it. You know, the old Ron Popeil thing. Um, if you get a good IEP and you get your services in place, then you get a year where you just have to check in and breathe. And then you can go and attend to other things, knowing that while your child is in school, productive things are happening. If you don't take care of the school piece, right, then you have nothing but heartache all year long. And that is the truth of it, right? And a good, solid IEP doesn't absolutely ensure you have a good, solid educational year, but it really is a step in the right direction. Now you will notice our fabulous Traven is showing you all the different ways that you can connect with us here. I mentioned that we're live. We're live right now on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, and about a dozen other places. But uh, what I love is that you have the opportunity To interact with us through a lot of those. So, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter right now, pop a comment in the chat and uh, tell us hi and where you're watching from. I love to know where you're watching from. You don't have to, but it's a super fun thing because this show is meant to be interactive. You know, I, I always say at the start of the show that we have lots of experts. I'm not one of them, I'm an autism mom and a proud autism mom. I'm a former teacher. I, I was just saying this morning to somebody, I just wanna be a student in the front row of the classroom. The, you know, that student who's like raising their hand and going, ooh, I wanna know more about that. That's me. I want That's what I wanna be. But that doesn't mean that I know everything. I don't know anything. Uh, I know very few things, let's say that. But I'm happy to be here and, and, and be a resource because we've been doing this for more than 10 years. In fact, I've been, um, hosting shows about autism now for more than a baker's dozen of years. And so what I've met are experts. And uh, so I can say to you, you know, if you write in, I can say, you know, who's the person to ask about that, right? And then sometimes we can get them on the show. So write into us, tell us where you are, tell us what you're looking for, the questions that you have, uh, so, that we have an idea of what, what kind of programming that you want to do. But don't confuse me with one of the experts. Confuse me with uh, somebody who's really wanting to be a cheerleader for you. And when I say you, let's talk about that. This whole show is meant to be for that larger autism network. Of course, that's individuals who are on the autism spectrum themselves, as, as the new hashtag is actually autistic. But it also includes everyone who loves those individuals. I think that makes sense, right? That together, uh, that we can be good allies and help each other uh, to get to the place that we want to get to, which is... The place that's rich with resources and supports and respect and employment and opportunity for individuals on the autism spectrum—doesn't that sound luscious? Doesn't that sound absolutely fabulous? Uh, that's what I want. I know that if you're here, you want that as well. Then there's then there's like there's so much to be talked about in between all that. What the day to day is, and that's really personal and individual. So don't. I, I, I like to say I'm not a mind reader. So I don't know what you need. So write it and tell me what you're looking for. And then maybe hopefully we can help you to connect to some, if not some answers, more questions that help you to, to be able to ask them of experts so that you can get to the answer that you're looking for. Sound good. And also we encourage you to share. If you find something here that you like, share, 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 share. And I'm not talking about sunny and share. I'm talking about there, share. Uh, we love Danny Bowman and, and Danny Bowman says, sharing is caring. And so I'm going to quote Danny Bowman, uh, that if you see something here, share it with somebody that you know that could benefit from this information. That's what keeps us on the air. So we appreciate your help with letting people know that we're here and that we want to be of support. Information and inspiration. That's the, the key of the day. Now, at the start of the show on Thursdays, we always like to treat you to what we fondly <laughs> refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are those experts talking about? Why do we need to know this? Is this just something to hurt our heads? And sometimes, sometimes I'm not convinced it isn't just to hurt our heads. But I love today's term. This term for me, this phrase for me, opened up a whole bunch of doors as a mom of an individual on the spectrum. So theory of mind. Now, keep in mind, first, we give you the actual definition, which often is of no use to anyone unless you have extra letters behind your name, and sometimes not even then. Um, Then we give you a working definition where we try to really break it down into something that's understandable. So let's do that right now with theory of mind. Let's take a look at what our actual definition of theory of mind is, Uh, and then we'll, we'll see if we can make fun of it. Uh, theory of mind is being able to infer the full range of mental states, beliefs, desires, intentions, imagination, emotions, et cetera, that cause action. In brief, too late for that, right? Having a theory of mind is to be able to reflect on the contents of one's own and others' minds. And that's a direct quote from Simon Baron Cohen. It's not the worst definition, Right. Uh, I got to say, it does a little bit of perspective taking by assuming that we don't know a bunch of psychological terms, right? But if if I'm somebody who's on the spectrum or it, and, and, and doesn't have a huge background in psychology, or I have a kiddo on the spectrum, I, I might still be like, well, that sounds great, but I don't really know what you're talking about. So let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't make heads, no tails of this theory of mind is being able to understand the idea of thinking and recognize what you are thinking is not what others are thinking. This is perspective taking. It is the understanding of the fact that there is a conversation happening in my head. That is not the same conversation that you are having in your head. What like That is mind blowing to some individuals. What I'm thinking and seeing and feeling is not the same as what you are thinking, seeing and feeling in this moment. It's powerful stuff. Now, what's really interesting and what blew my mind the first time I heard about theory of mind, I was always asking as a mom of a newly diagnosed child, I was like, what is it? what is autism? What is the difference between autism and, you know, ADHD? What is the difference between autism and an intellectual disability? What, what is autism? Can you put it in a box for me? Can you define it for me? And of course, that's a tough one, because autism There's a menu of things. And if you have enough of them, you can qualify for autism. But some of those things could be other things, right? So it's super tough. I was like, so what's the difference between autism and everything else? And then someone explained to me the theory of mind and the Sally Ann test. And we've talked about this many times before on the show. Let's see if I can do it without messing it up. So children are told this story and shown pictures And in the story, there's two little girls. One is Sally and one is Anne. And Sally has a ball. And in one picture, she's holding the ball. And in the story, they tell kids, now Sally is asked to hide the ball. And Sally goes and hides the ball and she puts it underneath the table. Great. Anne watches her put it underneath the table. And then they ask Anne to step outside into the hallway. And then in the pictures and in the story, they say to Sally, while Anne is outside in the hallway, they say to Sally, take the ball and put it someplace else. And so Sally takes it and puts it inside of a box. And then they ask the child, if Anne Anne comes back into the room, where will she say the ball is? Because what this test does is asks the child to put themselves not in... Not in Sally's mind, not in their own mind, but in Anne's mind to say with the information that Anne has, what will she say? And the correct answer is that the last place that Anne saw it, which was underneath the table, Anne has no knowledge that it got put in the box. We know, Sally knows, the child knows, Anne's the only one who's not in on it. So they ask the child, where's the ball? Now here's, and I was like, okay, will a child know that? Is that developmentally appropriate? And the thing is that around age five, children start to make this arc where they start to notice this. Now they spend the rest of their lives perfecting this, and we all struggle with perspective taking at some point in our life, right? But they begin, the, it burgeons, it starts to come out around age five. So here's what blew my mind. When Simon Baron Cohen originally did the Sally-Ann test, they decided to do it with three groups of people. They took a group of five and six-year-olds that were neurotypical. They took a group of five and six-year-olds that had autism spectrum diagnosis. Uh, and by the way, Zesty wants to know, is the box made of transparent glass? No, it is not. So the box, nobody, you can't see that the ball is inside the box, nor can you see that it was behind the table. Uh, so the, the ball is invisible. Good point uh so which makes me think of hannah gadsby uh she has a joke about that in her stand-up routine uh she you know they ask her something about the cereal and what's in the cereal and she's like is the cereal box made of cardboard so love that bestie but in any case they had these three groups so they had the the neurotypical kids they had the kids on the spectrum and then they had a group of kids who had down syndrome and all between the ages of five and six. And they interviewed them, showed them all the pictures with the Sally Ann, told them the story and asked them the question, where will Ann say the ball is? Remember the correct answer is that Ann will say it's the last place she saw it, which was behind the table. Well, so the neurotypical kids, um, you know, passed the test and got the correct answer by far, by far. The kids on the spectrum, most of them got it wrong. They said it's in the box because they knew it was in the box. Okay, this doesn't shock or surprise me. What shocked and surprised me is that the kids with Down syndrome got it right. And I went, okay, there's something different here. If kids with Down syndrome are getting this right and, and kids on the spectrum weren't, what is the difference? and for whatever reason the this perspective taking skill and we can theorize why doesn't pop up with kids on the spectrum as early as it does for other kids and if we don't make a concerted effort to teach it often it like lags behind considerably we all know somebody on the spectrum or off the spectrum that, that struggles with this, that they cannot see another's person's point of view. Listen, I have a relative, and I'm not going to name names, right, but who will sit there and say to you, I'm so upset because someone did this thing to me. And you can say to them, yes, that's absolutely terrible. That's horrible. And then in the next sentence, they can tell you that so-and-so is not speaking to them. And you ask why, and they go, and they tell you. It's exactly what they were just so upset at the other person doing and you try to get them to see that it's the same and they can't. They they do not they're like no it's not the same and when you ask them why is it not the same they will say because I needed to do this and so I had the right to do that. They shouldn't be upset with me. Well then how does that apply to the first story when you're upset about it and they say it doesn't. It literally there is a block. They don't see that as being the same. Now there's some rigidity for that because this person is significantly, they're an adult, right? They're, they're not a five-year-old. What we know, here's the cool part, is it's totally teachable. And the younger you teach it, the easier it is. Totally teachable. Uh, Zesty wants to know, so is this a neurophysical trait or learned You know, and I don't know the answer to that, Zesty, and I don't know that the research has absolutely pinned this down. Why do some kids learn it and why do a great portion of kids on the autism spectrum not learn it in the same time frame as those other kids on their own without support? I don't know that we 100% understand it yet, but if you're really interested in it, this is Simon Baron Cohen's entire, what he's devoted his life to, is to understanding this particular thing, the theory of mind. Why is it not there in kiddos on the spectrum? How is it taught? How is it a benefit to people on the spectrum? We talked about this in the news the other day, that often this lack of theory of mind is mistakenly diagnosed as being a lack of empathy, which is so much steaming poo. It just isn't the truth. People on the spectrum, very smart, very empathetic, very caring. But if I don't understand the basic comment that I'm having an experience thinking in my head and you're having an experience thinking in your head and that they are different and that, um, you know, then, then I don't have a foundation to build a whole bunch of pers- uh, perspective taking skills on. Uh, and Zesty says, sounds like genetics might play a strong role. Very possible. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we know that there are genetic components and we know that there are environmental components and we don't know, you know, I wonder, cause as somebody who is a former teacher and, you know, when you build, there's always like a, a, a a skill that starts something right. I used to say when I would teach, um, I, I, taught junior high and high school for a long time and, um, kids would come in the classroom at the beginning of the year and, and I would go, okay, I'm, I'm looking at Swiss cheese and I got to find where the holes are because these kids are all brilliant. They're all bright, but there's, there's little pockets where they're missing things. And, uh, and I was teaching gen ed classrooms, but I had kids that were on the spectrum in my classroom. But all of them across the board had holes in what they knew. And I knew as a teacher, if I could identify where the hole was and shore up the missing core skill, that that kid would fly. That that kid would be able to learn all kinds of things because we shore up those those splinter skills. So for me, this is exciting because... As a former teacher, if we have the ability to take young kids and teach them theory of mind and have them understand the concept that I'm thinking and feeling things and what you're thinking and feeling is different, we change their ability to move through the world, but also we change the world. I say all the time, I don't want to just teach this to folks on the spectrum. I want to teach this to everybody. Like if we could sit down, think about all the problems that we have in the world right now, all of them are solved. All of them are solved by perspective taking. If we could stop for a moment and think, what must it be like to be that person? And what are the things that they need and want? Then I will come to the conversation with compassion. I will come to the conversation without defense and say, I'm not having that experience. I am participating in a study right now with a group of autism moms. And there was something that came up the other day in conversation and somebody was saying, I really need this, this, and this, uh, it, you know, cause we were being asked a question. They said, I feel very strongly and I want this and I need this. And I said, Oh, that's so interesting. I totally see why you want that. I just want to throw in my two cents. I feel the exact opposite way. Um, and, and then we had a discussion about it. We, we could both go, wow, that's interesting. I never thought about it from your point of view, why you would want that and why I don't want that. It was great, edifying conversation. And I think for the researchers afterwards, they said it was so great to hear that it's not this like cut and dried thing that some of you want this and some of you want this and that there's reasons behind that. Uh, I think we were all super excited about that. So perspective taking... Uh, Now that I've watched my son be taught perspective taking and got to go through the lessons with him, I notice all the time how much of the world fails to do perspective taking and how much of the world fails to do perspective taking when it comes to individuals on the spectrum that a lot of times, and I also have been guilty of this, and my son has pointed it out to me, and my good friend Alex Plank points it out to me. uh, There was a day when I was saying to my son, I need for you to get out of the car in this way because it's a safety issue and you're making me crazy and I need for you to do it this way. And he was saying, can't I do it this way? And I was saying, no, I need for you to do it this way. And my son, nine years old, said to me, mom, that seems very inflexible. That's a sign of autism. Do you have autism? And I was like, oh my gosh, first of all, that is me being inflexible. And that I need to, as much as I know my thing was about safety, that I need to ask him, why are you wanting to get out of the car the other way? Let's start with what's your perspective on that? Um, and that I have to be more mindful of that. So, uh, Sarah says, is it possible that the skills appear at five, but it's developing before that? And if so, how can we teach them at two and three? Well, Sarah, you get the gold star because truthfully, uh, you're right. It starts to burgeon at five. But if we go back to that idea of there's a core skill and where is it missing? We see that for kiddos on the spectrum, one of the first place where it starts to not be there when we need it to be there is joint attention that a lot of kiddos on the spectrum are more interested in a whole set of other things than joint attention. Um, So one of the things that we recommend when we say early intervention, starting as early as possible is start building in a whole set of cognition skills That include and start with joint attention. Joint attention is when I'm looking at something and the child looks at me then and says they're looking at something they follow. So let's say we're at the zoo and I'm looking at a giraffe. The child sees me looking at the giraffe and having a reaction to the giraffe. So now they look at the giraffe right? So this is three points of attention. We're both looking at the giraffe now. And then the child and I look at each other and go, "Oh, it's a giraffe, right? And there is this moment of communication that happens. And in that moment, there's so much that's happening because the child notices me looking at the giraffe and they notice my reaction to the giraffe. And we know that kids imprint with that. So if mom gets tense, whenever there's a dog around, the child will be more likely to be afraid of dogs because of joint attention. But on the spectrum, a lot of kids don't get that joint attention in the time span that they're supposed to. And they miss all that information on our faces about, Oh, giraffes must be fabulous because mom's face told me they were fabulous. And we know that that joint attention piece also is the building block for every single social skill we'll want to teach later on. And guess when we can start teaching joint attention? When they're born. Uh, So isn't that cool? Isn't that fun? Uh, Zesty says, is theory of mind a gradient or all or nothing? Might someone with a deficit properly attribute positive emotions, but not negative emotions? Absolutely. And we all have some, as you said, gradient of this, right? Some people do good perspective taking in party situations but not at work and some people are good at reading when people have positive emotions going on but they don't notice when somebody's upset and that is true of individuals on the spectrum and people you know on and off the spectrum right so everyone this is just this very it's a skill and everybody applies it in different ways and, and different amounts, right? So um, I love this discussion with you guys. This is just um, a fascinating thing. So anyway, theory of mind, if you're interested, all you have to do is Google Sasha Baron Cohen. And if the name sounds familiar to you, it's not a coincidence. He is the cousin of of Simon Baron Cohen, the comedian from Borat. Um, And they look a little bit alike, um, but Sasha Baron Cohen is an expert in the field of autism. And this is his particular area of autism, theory of mind. It's fascinating, fascinating stuff. All right. Uh, Now moving on to our question of the day, because we've got Bonnie coming here any second now. Uh, I don't want to be late for Bonnie. Uh, so our question today, we always ask you guys, and we love it when you write in, are you good at putting yourself in other people's shoes and when, and where are you good at it? You know, sometimes I, I, sometimes I feel like I just, I, I've got this. And then I see, Oh my gosh, I totally missed somebody's point of view on something, or even just missed that their point of view might be different than mine. Um, and, and I think we, it's, you know, Every day, there are opportunities to take people's perspectives. Like uh, like right now, I'm taking Bonnie's perspective, what it's like for her to sit and wait for me to finish this. And I, I know that last week, I made her wait a long time. And this week, I don't want to do that, because what must that feel like for Bonnie? She's here. She's got good information. She has to listen to me. yak, right. Um, but some days, I'm better at that than other days. And we all have to cut ourselves some slack. But are you good at it? Are you good at stopping to consider Think about the last time that somebody ticked you off. Like, is there anybody you're mad at right now? Like really furiously mad at and have you tried to put yourself in their shoes and see what do they have going on? I know that sometimes I can be so furious with somebody about something But then I remind myself, I don't really know what their story is. I don't know. I always love this story. My friend who was going through chemo and she double parked her car to go in and get her mail because she just didn't have enough energy to walk all the way through the parking lot because the parking spot that was available was clear across the parking lot. And she was driving a nice car, but really fighting for her life. And somebody came up to her and just lined her out and said, you selfish, inconsiderate you know, no good. Like, how dare you double park? Blah, blah 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 blah. And then my friend said, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm struggling to get my mail and going through chemo." And then the woman just burst into tears. Just burst into tears. The one who had been yelling and said, "Oh my gosh, I just lost my mom to cancer, and I was having such a bad day, and I'm taking it out on you." And they had this moment. Because for a minute, they got to take each other's perspectives, you know? Uh, we never know for sure everything that's going on for other people. Um, I do think it's the answer to peace, peace, love, and happiness. Uh, and I love Zesty says, the best way I find to put myself in other people's shoes is when I spend a lot more time listening and asking questions, and not trying to sell my ideas. It's a skill that takes practice and works well with mindfulness. Oh, Zesty. I just love that. Uh, We need to crochet that and put it on a pillow, right? Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for that perspective today. And that's what good perspective taking can do all the way around. Uh, It's wonderful. All right. We... uh, We've gone through the question of the day. Now we've got the topic of the week. Oh, thank goodness. I'm, I'm like so into this conversation. I lost where I was. Thank you, Traven. So our topic this week is following through. That to me, this is one of the skills that is the hallmark of success, that we start something and then we have to babysit it and follow through. And follow through and follow through. And sometimes, you know, the other day we our our term was executive functions. This is part of executive functions is following through. When you start something, you might be great at the first phase of it, but then there are 12 steps before we get to goal. And you might not be great at steps five and eleven, right? And that can make the difference of whether you achieve your goal. Um And, and it's super important. I I love that Bonnie is here because in a second, we're going to talk about special education, but, and we we talked a little bit earlier about how important it is. If you have a great IEP and your, your student is doing well in class, it really can make the difference of a great year. But a lot of times this is about follow through. Oh my gosh. Like we have to follow through and call and say, you know, did this happen? Did this happen? Um, it, it can be debilitating. There are great executive function tools to help us. Like there are apps that remind you, uh, you know, call this person today or um, planners that have alarms on them that say, you know, you have to do this to follow through. But just being mindful about the fact that follow through is a part of the gig, whoo, it's big. It's a big part of success that I know, uh, a lot of us have like a burst of energy. Where we're like, I'm going to get something done. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to make that phone call. I'm going to find a, uh, I'm going to call three ABA providers to see if they've got therapists available. I'm going to, I'm going to start that. Right. And you do the first action, you call the ABA providers. And then two days later, when you haven't heard back from two of them, right. It's the follow through of calling back the one that called you and recalling the two that didn't call you that that's what seals the deal. So uh, all a part of the perspective taking, all a part of the executive functions. Do you sense the theme here? Uh, so when you can, following through, one of the keys to getting good stuff done and having good stuff happening. Which brings me to Ms. Bonnie Gates, who's joining us right now from Tolner Law Offices. She is an amazing special education attorney, and she is joining us to talk more about the basics of special education. Bonnie, Good morning. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I was going to say, you got it going on today. I love it. Oh, Bonnie, it's like, can't you're camping, but not even glamping. It's horrible. (laughs) Is it time to go on vacation, Bonnie? (laughs) Yes. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so he's loving it.
1: I gotta be honest. I'm just fascinated by
0: all of this because I think there are so many things in there that people will go. I didn't know that was included in there. I didn't know, you know, it's, 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 and I, there are a couple of phrases that I'm hung up on. One of them was the phrase about, um, something about if, if they're not able to do the, 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 the accommodations to the curriculum if they're not able to do them with modifications. Like that whole section was very interesting to me because what I've always uh, been told is if, if modifications have to be done to the curriculum at all, that, that then that, that student becomes special education. But this sort of made it sound like it was, might be possible to have modifications to the curriculum be outside of special
1: ed. Did I read, did I hear that wrong? It's interesting. I didn't know that either. yeah
0: I you know, I think people who watch the show know that I'm a former teacher that I, I taught both college and then I went and taught after 911 in junior high and high school. And it was at a time when the the political thought was there was no child left behind, but it was also there was this uh, running theme of we want to have every single child get the exact same opportunity, which meant, That I remember our principal saying to us, I want to be able to walk down the hallway and I want the doors open and all the people who are teaching sixth grade math, it will be as if I'm hearing a recording. And as I walk through the hallway, all the students are turning the same page at the same time. And of course, the teachers in the teachers union, we all lost our minds over it because we were like, where's the
1: individualized education? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is something that I wasn't aware of until
0: you brought it up, uh, I don't know, like two years ago. And I think a lot of people aren't aware. So I want to just back up for just a second and talk about this, because I think that a lot of time, having been on both sides of the equation, I've been a teacher in a classroom at, at a meeting talking about a student's behavior and, and heard people say, I think this kid needs some extra support. And I've heard people say, don't go that way. Don't go that way, don't go down that path. We don't have a right to say anything to the parent. Oh you, know, you don't want to start that with the parent. We're not gonna we're not gonna open the Pandora's box to that. So it's shocking to me to now hear that we had a legal obligation to have that conversation and to refer that child. Um, but on the other side, as a parent, I've also had the circumstance where I didn't know, that teachers were sitting in around a room talking about my child and they didn't let me know for parents that are watching that feel like probably a teacher did identify their child and that the school did nothing and nobody notified them how would they go back now, Bonnie? Do they Obviously, they would come to a lawyer like yourself. And, and what, how do you unveil all that to get to the point where they give money? Do you have to have
1: written proof that they had identified the child and didn't tell?
0: So let me ask let me ask this, and maybe this is a ridiculous question, but if we've had if we've had like, let's say the child is in second grade and in kindergarten and first grade, we have all these notes that we've kept a record of that they said, Oh, your child engaged in this behavior, did it, did it, did it, and they start talking about um, you know, what a problem your child is, maybe talking about expelling them. Is it reasonable for a lawyer to go back and go, you identified this, 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 this many
1: times? Why did you not trigger child fines? Yeah. Oddly enough, though, I think, Bonnie, while it doesn't happen
0: that often, uh, when it does happen, I think it's our families that are most in need
1: of knowing what their rights are. We've got about
0: three minutes. We've got two questions, Bonnie. Uh, The first one, Laura just wrote in and said, How can we find a lawyer to support special education? There's a perfect question. Good question. Uh, Laura, what state are you in? Write in and tell us as quickly as you can. And then Sarah wrote in and said, our daughter attends public school and has a great team. However, during our last conference, it was noted that she is behind academically. We're now wondering if we should send her to a private special needs school. Is it possible to get the local school district to fund her education at a special needs school if she is not thriving in the
1: current school environment. And Laura wrote back and said she's in Texas, two different moms. But let me really quickly ask you, Bonnie, for your opinion as both a
0: a seasoned uh, expert in the field of special education, but also as a mom who's been there and done that. If you've got a team that's good and a team that's willing, but you're not hitting where you need to be academically, would you move to a private school or would you
1: bring in some help for the team that you have in the public school? I love that answer though.
0: We are out of time. So tell us quickly where we can find you. If we want to consult with
1: you, I did send you a mom this week that hopefully I I hope you got to connect with. Um, But. I, uh, I did reach back out to her and she's about to reach back out to you. So we're all good. So, uh, but tell people where to find you. all right thank you so much bonnie i hope you get your house back soon uh much
0: love all right bye-bye uh you guys tomorrow for tomorrow's show it's let's talk autism with shannon and nancy and ava lund from special spirit is going to be with us ava's got a really new program that involves a drum circle so I'm really excited for her to be here with us. She hasn't been here with us for a while. She owns the Special Spirit Ranch that does a lot of work with uh, equestrian work, with horse therapy, and with art therapy, and now a drum circle. So she's going to be here tomorrow with Nancy Alspaugh Jackson and myself. Uh, until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.